Welcome, welcome to Mozzie and the Muscle, our show about all things football and, well, maybe just a few things outside of that. We are not reporters, we are not journalists, but damn it, we do love to talk about it. Welcome into Mozzie and the Muscle. I am the Muscle, and it's just me today. Uh, Mozzie got called into work last minute, so for our Week Ten preview, it is a solo show. Just, just your boy, just me. So we're gonna get right into it. On the Thursday game, we both incorrectly had Atlanta. I was sad, you know, it was gross. Mar- Marcus Mariota might be a witch because he turned into um, garbage in in the rain. Which maybe that's just Mariota, but anyway. We kick off the rest of the week with our Germany game, I believe it is, uh, Seattle at Tampa, and we're both taking Seattle here. I don't really get why Tampa's favored by two and a half. They've been kind of dog water and just lost to the Panthers and the Steelers. Meanwhile, Seattle's actually like beat good teams with good records, so I don't, I don't get it. We're both pretty confused on that. The total's 45. That's a little tougher, but... I mean, Seattle's run D's been solid. I think Kenneth Walker can still do his thing, but Seattle has Geno and Lockett to take advantage. And Seattle, we've seen that their pass defense has gotten a lot better lately. They changed up the scheme uh, a few weeks ago. The DC like met with the team, met with the players, and was like, hey, let's not work. And so they completely scrapped like what they had been doing to get a scheme that worked for their personnel. So that's probably part of why they've been turning another last couple of weeks. I think after the Saints game, probably just because they were so bad that game that it probably has to be that. So, yeah, they've been playing a lot better, and Tampa's shown literally nothing to give me confidence that they're going to turn it around. Like, you think, oh, it's Tom Brady. They have all these guys are going to turn it around eventually, but they, they just still have it. So, Seattle's a good team, and until until Geno becomes a pumpkin, uh, I have to assume they're going to stay on that track now. It could happen at any moment, but... It's not like the Bucks have inspired any more confidence. So we have we have Seattle here uh, pulling out the win. And this is this is neutral field. So they're saying Tampa is better. This is not a home favorite thing. So next up, we've got Houston at the Giants. We both have the Giants. The total is 41. That's about right. It's tough to really call that one for me. Giants are favored by four and a half. Again, a tough one. I might take them to cover just because they're off the bye here. So this this is Saquon. Um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll just read off what Monzi said here because it kind of encapsulated. Uh, Giants really shouldn't have to do much else besides hand off to quads and let Houston do the rest. So, yeah, like he's going to get the ball a ton of times. They've actually got some guys back with Galladay. Um, actually, that might be it. I don't know. And we're going to see probably Wandale get more involved after, after the bye. That happens with rookies all the time. And Dable's proven to be a good coach, and Lovey's proven to be kind of a bad coach. And uh, I don't know if there's enough of a quarterback difference for us to really call our, like, you know, QB head coach combo difference here. But the, I mean, the Giants are the better team here. They've proven it all year. So, it, and again, this is the halfway point of the season, by the way. Uh, prior to the Falcons game, exactly half the games have been played. So, I, we're at the point now where 
we we kind of have to start accepting what we've seen even if it feels weird now obviously like the context is important like i saw something going around twitter about the giants have gotten lucky and like are two wins over where they should be and apparently the steelers are too but a lot of times at least to me when teams are overperforming like that uh, like consistently or like have a way better record than their um their point differential indicates like there obviously is like luck factors like sometimes you know you hit you hit the quarterback's hand just as he's you know pulling the ball a certain way and it goes flying like some shit's pretty random oblong ball all that but at a certain point if it keeps happening you're either running absurdly hot or there's a factor at play of coaching where like despite you know you only being plus 10 I don't know what the Giants are but if say you're, you're barely above but you've got a 6-2 and two record like we see, we saw that a lot with the Russ Carroll Seahawks we're seeing that here and we've seen like with the Falcons in the past like they've been minus 2 but they've been like 4-12 and 12, like just shit like that so the, the Giants have shown I mean that they'll pretty much beat teams that are going to beat themselves and I think we can <laughs> I don't want to say bank on Houston to beat themselves but kind of um, but with Houston, Brandon Cooks, maybe he gets the squeaky wheel thing. He was really wanting to be traded. I have no clue what's going to happen here. So Nico Collins is supposed to be back. So they'll have actually some weapons here. But I think it's going to be kind of a Damian Pierce show. I, like neither like neither team's going to run away with it because they both like to run so much. And it's not going to get out of hand at any point. And Houston has shown that they'll still give Damian Pierce the ball a lot, even if they're you know down a touchdown, down 10, whatever. The Giants, I mean, Saquon is by a large margin their best offensive player, so they both make a lot of sense. Um, diving into DFS, Pierce is supposed to be super popular, and if you need to go down that low, he's a great option, but I don't know if I would pair the two. I don't hate it, but Saquon this week could just go like absolutely bananas um, in my trench matchups, which I'm really big on. Oh, I crap, I need to put the article out. I forgot about that. Um, I was breaking down the matchups and how, um, like, I look at just lie yards, pressure, all that stuff, and the Giants have a really good uh, matchup here, at, like, adjusted line yards-wise, so offensive line versus D-line mismatches. But the big thing to me is the missed tackles. I added that in uh, this past week and pulling it up. I think the Houston Texans are the worst tackling team. So, yeah, the most missed tackles per game. This year, and against Saquon, when the matchups already nice running wise, like they're the worst run defense by a lot for a lot of reasons. So, yeah, Hit, like massive upside this week. But moving on to Jacksonville, Kansas City, we both have Kansas City here. It's a nine point spread and a fifty one and a half total. Man, it's tough, but I think they can cover. I know the Jags just beat the Raiders last week, but we've seen them kind of struggle at times and. I know Kansas City had a tough time with Tennessee, but they always have a tough time with Tennessee, and they really should beat the brakes off of the Jags. This is kind of a big mismatch to me. So, like, the Kelsey-Juju combo should go nuts. Mahomes should have no problem doing anything he wants. Like, unless we get the classic, like, Chiefs against the AFC South thing, then, like, where they always had to perform, see, Titans, Colts. I mean, maybe the Jags will keep it going or they, you know, the Chiefs break their curse here. But, uh, yeah, it's Mozzie's Ma- Ma- torn on the cover, but it's I agree it is kind of close, but I think they'll manage it. 
but nine points is about right. Maybe eight is closer, maybe 10 is closer, but around that range. Etienne here, I think we see him get involved more in the passing game. Mozzie's with me there on continuing his hot streak. The Chiefs' run D has been... It's been a mixed bag. Okay, Derrick Henry aside, they've been fairly solid in the run game, but you see a ton of passing production against the Chiefs running, like against the Chiefs by running backs. Um, a lot of that is due to, to the game scripts they see, but ETN's a good pass catcher, so we might see him finally blossom with that here. Um, one of the big injury things is Hardman's out, so it's <laughs> it's tough to know who's going to get the role there because he was overperforming a lot fantasy points-wise these last few weeks based on like expectation how he should be doing. Obviously, you know, he's fast. The Chiefs offense, the Chiefs offense, it helps. But I don't know if they're going to slide Tony right in, if it's going to be a split or, you know, what's going to break out a certain way. I don't think it matters a ton for MVS. He was kind of having his role anyway. We either see Sky Moore and Justin Watson get involved or we see them just shove Tony right in. And he like barely played last week. I think he got like, nine percent of the snaps and got two targets so if if you're in a pinch i'm okay with going toady but man it's it's tough to dive right in but he's good and he's got Mahomes throw to him so hard hard to argue next up we've got cleveland at miami we both have miami here i'm taking the over just because it's a fucking miami game they all go over miami favorite by three and a half i'm taking miami to cover maz has got cleveland to cover though so I mean, I agree it is close. Um, I'll, I'll read off the Miles notes here. Uh, Miles Garrett and company are going to make Tua's life difficult, but thankfully their secondary is spotty enough that I think Tua, Waddle, and Reek can still torch them, which I agree with. Um, I, I need to check on the health of the Dolphins line, but I think they're still fine. I, the big thing we pretty much always watch is Teron Armstead with them because he's, by a large margin, their best lineman. So when he's out, I worry, but as long as he's all good, I'm not concerned. And I, he didn't practice... No Friday practice. So, okay, that is actually a big thing to keep track of. Because if he's out, and you've got Miles Garrett going on a backup tackle. That's a bummer. So, do, do keep... He, he has played off of, like, no practice, I think, before this year. Uh, not positive. Let's see. He got a limited Thursday. So, it might have been a rest. So, hopefully, it was a rest and not a setback. So, do keep an eye on that. Because that actually matters to me with um, Garrett there. Especially with how much Chew has gotten banged up already this career and this year. Um, not not to predict any injury, but like if he gets rocked, they're gonna be super cautious. So, like I want Teron Armstead in for sure. Um, on the Cleveland side, the the Cleveland run game has been amazing just all year, regardless of who they faced. Like their toughest game, I think, was the Jets early on, but they've run all over everybody. So I know the the Dolphins run D like shows well on my charts and everything, but the Cleveland run game is a different beast and they're matchup proof. So I, I mean, the Cleveland running backs are fine here. One thing I did notice here was the DFS prices on the Brown side. So obviously you've got your Tua Waddle restack. It's amazing, but it's expensive. Um, Options you can do. Obviously the Chubb run back is a thing that I always enjoy because like if you get like the Dalt, if you get the Browns starting hot on offense, which they do sometimes, like they a lot of times they'll stay on script for the first couple drives and put up two touchdowns right away. And if they're both Chubb, you've got you've got the nuts. You've got Chubb scoring, Chubb continuing to run, Dolphins playing catch up. Like it's wonderful. Um, the downside is that if it turns into a back and forth where the Dolphins start with the lead, that 
might not be the best situation for Chubb. And that's where you look at, you know, Amari Cooper is at a good price. Donovan Peoples-Jones at a good price. Within Joku out, like, his targets have been great. You've got Harrison Bryant there. Super cheap. He did nothing <laughs> when Joku was just out. But we've seen him be solid before. So I'm, I'm okay taking a shot there at how cheap he is. And then you also have Cream Hunt, which this is one I didn't even notice until I was talking to somebody else about this stack, where you might end up needing cheap running backs. And at 5.3K, like, if you get that bullshit Kareem Hunt double touchdown day, like, your day is made. And he could, I mean, this is definitely a spot for him to maybe get four catches for, you know, 30 yards as well. And if he gets a receiving touchdown, a rushing touchdown, which, again, pretty feasible for Kareem Hunt. Like, he does that. It's, he could easily, easily have his day made. So, this is one of the times that, like, I wish I had the capacity mentally to do, like, MMEing. I just don't. Um, maybe one day I'll get there. I would need to, like, take, like, a month of it just to, like, practice in the freaking, like, quarter or penny arcade and, like, get get it down. But it's not really my uh, wheelhouse. Like, I've got the ability to, like, find these, like, off-the-board plays, but I don't have, like, the... Uh, ability to fully apply at DFS because like doing that in a single entry like probably doesn't make sense like I probably don't need to do that unless I'm playing all chalk everywhere else but if I'm stacking this game and I've got you know two every quaddle I've got Amari Cooper like I probably don't need to get weird enough to get Kareem Hunt in there but if I were if I were you know 150 maxing like that would be the scenario to do it um anyway I like it's tough for the Browns right now with Jacoby Reset because he's fine, but I they're going to have to keep up with Miami. So the Browns defense isn't good enough to stop them. And yeah, but oof, man, this, this is this is taxing on you, boy. I, I usually get breathing breaks or like mutant breaks or something to like get some water, but I just got to do this real quick. Ah, nice little glug. Break for me, break for years. But back we go into Minnesota at Buffalo. I'll mark this down so I can actually uh, edit it here too. Minnesota at Buffalo we go. So this is one where we've gotten a lot of back and forth news on uh, Josh Allen. It had seemed like up until about 30 minutes ago, he wasn't going to play. And then we found out he might actually play <laughs> because they didn't elevate Matt Barkley. So either they're going to have him as like emergency quarterback or he is actually going to be fine and play. This it's he got in limited practice so i'm not putting it past him he's a tough motherfucker so right now just let me double check what the odds are because when i put this in at like noon this was a 42 total so if that has changed a ton that would be a good sign that josh allen's in but if it's still at 42 i'm gonna feel okay so that's at 44 it's already gone up two points and the spread went from three and a half to six and a half so vegas is pretty sure he plays um which is actually pretty huge, I think. Like, if Vegas is changing the lines off of that in the last couple hours, fully because of Josh Allen news, I'm going to assume he's going to play. So with that, this is tough, because we had been on Minnesota if no Jalen, but this is, this is a harder one if he's playing, because you're looking at, we'll say like 85% Josh Allen here with the Bills against uh, the Vikings, and what might be kind of like one of the grosser weather games of the day as well, like wind-wise. However, we know he's got a freaking cannon, and that doesn't matter a ton. This game, this is what I was really excited about, because the pace is freaking amazing. 
like looking at my pace uh, sheet I do, this is the, the best one. They both go super fast, like all the time, every situation. So we're looking at like banged up secondary for Buffalo. Minnesota is bad and now banged up secondary. Like this was just going to be like the absolute nuts. And I am heavily considering it again now because if Jalen is in, we might get that nuts. <laughs> that sounds hard to say. We might, we might get this great situation in a not popular manner for DFS. Which, you know, listen, not not everything's got to be, like, under the radar. Like, sometimes the obvious thing is obvious, and it's right, and that's how it goes. Like, that's happened a lot this year, especially with running backs. Like, sometimes the right obvious thing is the correct thing to do. But this is a situation where people, like, are going to be, like, scared of it. And I'm a little scared, too. Like, I still don't know who I'm picking. I think I'll lean Buffalo here. If Josh Allen plays, I assume he's good enough to go because like he's their franchise and I'm gonna trust that they're not gonna run him out there like at 50% so if assuming Josh Allen goes I'm taking Buffalo if he doesn't play I'm taking Minnesota with that Justin Jefferson should have the freaking time of his life here against the secondary especially if they've got to keep up with Josh Allen so I listen Tyreek's in a great spot but Justin Jefferson might be wide receiver banger of the week here like we might get our like what do we get week one from him? Like that bonkers shit he got, like with 200 yards or two, two touchdowns. Like that's in play. I think that's reasonable to expect. And like, honestly with Diggs too, like that might be in play. This is something where those two or a game stack here is really intriguing for me. So case was going to be a stream if, uh, if John was out for me, but I mean, I keep it on the Johnny's. That's all I can really say. But if he's in and the weather's not terrible, then this game is wonderful and I wouldn't ever think about it right now though the weather let me pull it up it's I think I think it said uh like windy kind of gross but the I mean a lot of things are going to be cold this weekend but the main thing is just the wind so cold breezy 15 mile an hour wind if if it's 15 miles an hour and there's not any rain mm, if there's a little bit of rain or snow but so not great but I think they'll be okay given the caliber of players here so just watch it Again, it has the potential to be an amazing game, but if enough factors come in where it poo-poo's on it, like it might just be fine going to Tua instead or going to Mahomes instead. So, yeah. Next up, we've got Denver at Tennessee. Any any under any total you gave me in here, I take the fucking under on. It actually went up to 39. It was on like 37, which was actually a little tougher for me, but I'm taking under 39. Taking Tennessee, two and a half point spread, which. Uh, two, I mean, I'm guessing two or three in this game. It's fucking Denver. They owe it to that shit. Um, and it's Tennessee. Like, it's got to be a closed game. So that's a really solid spread. Obviously, the half point. You got to pick one direction, but I'm not sure there. That's a tough one. So this is this is Derrick Henry territory. Um, one of the things I was looking at when I was breaking down the line sheet I have is, so Tennessee's got the fourth best matchup on the week, just right, just right above uh, the Giants on the adjusted line yards. And Derrick Henry also... Gets a bad tackling defense. Um, Denver misses the second most tackles per game. So, yeah, if you've got a bad tackling team against Derrick Henry, and in a game script where he's, it's not going to matter that much if he's, like, he's going to be able to keep running. So, like, if Derrick Henry is going to get the ball, like, 30 fucking times this game. Unless, like, the bye week turned Nathaniel Hackett into not a fucking rube, then Tennessee's going to run the ball a billion times and Derrick Henry's going to go nuts. And Denver might also be missing Justin Simmons. He's questionable. 
So, like, if they're missing a safety as well to, like, stop <laughs> Derek Henry, like, that's, oh, man. Oof, yeah, it could be bad. Like, this is one of those, it's t this is a tough week, um, DFS-wise, at least. That's where my brain's always at with it. Uh, because we've got these two expensive running backs in just, like, pretty nutso spots. But you've got to pay up for them. So, you know, J Jacoby Brissett and two Browns players can help you do that if you want. But then you got to pay up for, you know, Tennessee guys. So, or sorry, for a Miami guy. So, yeah, this game's gross, though. I, I will not have any eyes on this game until after when I see the uh, replays of um, Derek Kendrick going nuts on him. I'm going to see if the spread has changed at all. Because it sounds like Tannehill's going to play. But it's still at 2.5. So, I'm, I'll, I'll take them to cover that. Because... I think Tannehill gives him enough. Trylon Brooks is supposed to be back. So, yeah, yeah fuck it. They're going to cover. Denver can suck shit. Um, Detroit at Chicago next. This is a tough one for me. Mazi seems a little bit more decided with it. He's got Chicago. His notes. So, Detroit's D's put up some back-to-back -back impressive outings. But if the Bears can almost beat the Dolphins, I don't see how the Lions can keep up currently. Which, it's a fair point. <laughs> like, Chicago kept up with Miami. Detroit, in his current state, the, the Detroit offense currently hasn't been the same we saw the first month of the year. Um, Swift's absence has been part of that. Now, Hawkinson's out. Jared Goff is there. Like, <laughs> eventually his magic could run out some at points. I, I, okay, Swift got like 10 touches, or 10 snaps last week. He got the ball none. I expect that to improve this week. I don't, so he's not, he's not on the injury report. I, I don't, he's not 100%. I don't buy it. Like, there's no way, like, he plays 10 snaps last week and he's all fucking good already. No. So, will he play more? I pro yeah, he should. But, if he, like, if he's not playing at the opposing five-yard line on fourth down in, like, an obvious pass situation, then, like, why is he even active? So, I, I don't know. It's annoying. I I mean, if you've got him a season long, you're playing him, you probably don't have a better option. And, like, he has upside. Like, he can get the ball 12 times and put up 20 fantasy points. He's that good. And... You can run on Chicago here. Now, looking at the weather, I see it's supposed to be cold. Yeah, but otherwise, fine. So, a lot of cold games this week, but the only bad weather one looks like, potentially, the the one in Buffalo here. So, yeah, we got a lot of cold games. Chiefs games cold. A lot of, like, sub for Dude, it's, it's fucking snowing here right now. I did not expect Cincinnati snow today. Some bullshit. Um, this is a tough one. So, I'm very torn on if... The Green Bay, or sorry, the Green Bay game was just like a lot of luck, or if Detroit's finally turning a corner, getting rid of their secondary coach, if they're kind of piecing it together a bit, just because it's the talent is not there enough for me to be like, oh, they've turned a corner. Because okay, let's see who they played. It's been what Packers, yeah, this, yeah, I think I'm gonna air towards they got some luck. I don't know, like. They did, they, they did stop A.J. Dillon at the goal line. That was more than expected from them at any point. But, like, and they started hot against the Dolphins, too. But then the Dolphins, you know, freaking waddle. So, yeah, I guess. It is a divisional game, which could get fucky. I'm going to take, I think I'm going to take the under on the 48 and a half just because I could see this getting real gross. I, yeah, I'll probably, I'll take Chicago in, in the home here. Just because, again, you know, if it's a close divisional game, split home team. I know it's kind of a, weird way to put it but i th they should win adding clay adding clay ball i think was huge even if he doesn't do a ton receiving wise he's a really good blocker like that's why pittsburgh had in the slot to stay in there and block 
which he's not a fucking slot receiver. And he just did, did they, did they put him outside? I really hope they put him outside. Party outside. Um, anyway, as I dig into that, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, it's a tough one to decide either of them. I think they're both fine. Like, you could run on Chicago. The Lions should want to run. It's going to be cold. I'm expecting some running. So, yeah. All right. Let me find, let me find some Chase Claypool here in our PFF here. I, I am a, uh, I, you know, I shout out for the, the, for the, for the subscription here. I want to get those premium stats so I could really dig in and see where everyone's lined up. Be like, oh, where did this guy fucking line up in 2020 when he was on, you know, the Baltimore Ravens playing tight end part-time or some, some shit like that. You know what I mean? Um, so this past week he was out wide more fucking thank you, Chicago. <laughs> The, it's the the Bears are using someone how they should be using them, and the Steelers did it. What the fuck are we... This is the year 2022 over Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the Bears are doing something right that the Steelers didn't. All right. Listen, I know we can block well, but you can, like, you can motion him to block, you know? You don't have to just leave him the slot the whole time. Like, it was, like, 40, 45 snaps outside, 10, 15 slot, slots outside, right? What did I say? Yeah. It was, like, 40, 10, pretty much, slot wide most of the time like you don't need him in the slot that like you're not even running well you're not even running enough to matter it it pissed me off that was that was just absolute malpractice um you don't put she's not he's not a slot receiver he's too big of a big slot doesn't work um yeah i mean justin field should have a good day here though and the bears running mid situation is a tough one to parse it's David Montgomery catches a lot of flack because he's not, like, as explosive or fun as Khalil Herbert. And, like, that matters. Like, being able to break the big play as a running back and, like, actually make a big difference matters because, like, running is, like, scoring-wise inefficient. But Montgomery is, like, a good running back still. So they're going to keep splitting it. And it's going to be annoying. But, like, they're both in play. It just, like, for season long, not, not for DFS, in my opinion. I, I've seen a lot of chatter about, like, oh, use a running back to get leverage. But, like, you have to, okay, so much has to go right for that to happen. You need you need Justin Fields to fail, but for the Bears to not fail as a whole, and for your running back you pick to do well enough to matter for that inverse correlation and for them to beat the other running backs in that price range. Like, that takes so much to go right that I, I, I it's not worth it to me. So, yeah. Next up, we've got New Orleans at Pittsburgh. We both have Pittsburgh here. So we did actually just get news like earlier today. Um, I'm doing this Saturday. That Mika Fitzpatrick had to get like emergency uh, emergency surgery on his appendix. So like that's a big deal. Um, if, if okay. The New Orleans O-line's like fucking dead right now. Andrews Pete and Eric McCoy are both going to be out. And I hate when centers are missing. They're missing like, their guard there. I don't think think trevor penning they activated him but i don't think he's gonna play I've, I've seen nothing um yeah they just designated him thursday so i don't think he's back so they've got a really decimated o-line and Pittsburgh's just getting watt back so it's gonna be tough andy dalton will not have a lot of time if he has time olave is gonna be wide fucking open and jarvis is back too like Jar- maybe jarvis might be the play here like he's the short target guy it's i shit i fucking forgot about jarvis i have do I have to fucking play Jarvis Landry this week? Fucking damn. How much is he on DraftKings? He is 4.5. All right. He doesn't project great, and it's his first game back. There is risk. And 4.5 is not that cheap. But, again, this is where I wish I had the brain to, like, MME this shit. Because I would play 
you know, instead of him being, he's like two and a half percent rostered, I'll just play like six percent Jarvis Landry and be way over the field and call it a day. But, ah, man, maybe it's a Camara day. Like, maybe he gets the short receptions. I don't know. The problem is, like, they might just struggle so much. But Minka's out. Like, their secondary's hurt, too. Man, I felt really good about Pittsburgh until Minka Fitzpatrick got rolled out. And then, man, this is this is going to be a fucked up game. Pittsburgh defense is definitely in play here. This is, this is something that came out really weird in my uh, sheet. New Orleans shows up a fine running matchup, a good pressure matchup, but... It can only account for what has happened so far this year. It can't account for the future. It's it's more so descriptive than predictive. But like if the if the um, variables are like mostly the same, I'm gonna you know take that and be like, okay, this can help help me diagnose what is probable to happen. But in this scenario, like so much has changed. Like Pitt's, a lot of Pittsburgh pressure stats are without Watt. New Orleans line stats are with all these guys and none of that's the same. So like I'm throwing this good pressure number out the window. So I am fine with the Pittsburgh defense here. I don't know how much New Orleans defense is. Let me find out. 34, 3,500 is too much, but 28 for the Steelers defense is great. Um, With Jalen back in the Vikings defense is not going to be chalky anymore. Or maybe people will like big brain it or forget and it'll work out. But either way, now like you're looking down lower and for me like the Steelers at 2.8 like are a great option at under 3k so Najee Harris Jalen Warren all right listen Jalen Warren has looked solid in his little bits but that little bits part the key it's a super small sample it's not like it's okay it's just not this is not Tony Pollard and Zeke because that well obviously Zeke and Najee are the same but too like this is not Tony Pollard where we've seen it for years and it's been every single time like Super duper good. Like, this is this is like halfway through this dude's fucking rookie season. Like, like maybe he's just get like there is the possibility he's just getting lucky. Like, I don't think he's bad. I don't think it's all luck, but it's not. He's not just gonna like take Najee's job. He's not just already better than Najee now. Do I think Najee was overrated a bit? Yeah. When we said we said on our on our prospect stuff that like we thought he was kind of overrated. Like there was nothing like special. Like he does everything pretty well, but there's nothing like special about him player wise. Now he seems like a great dude. Obviously, gonna root for him to like do well because he seems like a great person, which hopefully, does, hopefully doesn't bite me in the ass and we see like some bullshit come out come out about him. I would say when that happens. But anyway, um, he's five point five this week with Claypool gone. Um, they I could see them getting Najee a little more involved in the pass catching game, and the New Orleans front seven has. They, uh, as far as disappointments go, New Orleans front seven is possibly the top disappointment for me as like a unit this year. They should have been like top three and they've been like average, like below average. They've been, it's been such a fucking letdown, which as a Falcons fan, I'm happy about that. I'm glad the Saints fucking suck, um, but I was disappointed in my evaluation. So like this might not be a terrible spot for Najee. The, the price is the main thing if he can get more involved in the passing game. And I think the bye week, they will be like, hey, like we should do this more. Maybe they'll get him like the ball and, you know, past the line of scrimmage or something like that. I'm not saying it will happen and it's Kenny Pickett and it's not Roethlisberger dumping down to him a bunch, but how about 5.5k here? So, yeah, it's reasonable. I thought I saw they might be missing another lineman though. I need to look into this. I could have sworn I saw someone was hurt newly. There's always someone getting hurt. Was it Dotson? Maybe. Keep an eye. Make sure, make sure there's no more Steelers lineman missing, but... 
this is a tough game to diagnose. We know who the good players are. Like we know where the ball's going. And like, okay, George Pickens, he's 5K. Like, and in the season long, like I'm probably playing George Pickens in a league or two this week. He's really good. The connections there, no line more like. If you if you take the one thing away from my diagnosis of this game, aside from Pittsburgh defense, it's that George Pickens should do well. Um, I hope so. 4 p.m. games, man. Whew. Blazing through this, sort of. I'm talking to. I didn't think I'd be able to talk this much by myself, but I'm just. I'm just. This is stream of consciousness. Everything that comes to mind, I'm like echoing. So this is what goes through my brain when I think about all this, but I don't always like say it out loud. Uh, oh, before I move on though, I do want to share my note here, which I agree with. So in the preseason, what we were doing our schedule breakdown, this was like the last one both of us picked. And that's still pretty spot on. Um, we're still at the point where we, it's very tough. Um, the big thing, though, that Mozzie put here, and I agree with, is Mike Tomlin's a way better coach than Dennis Allen. So, Also, it's going to be Dalton versus the Steelers, which is hilarious. I don't know how relevant that is, but I find it pretty funny. Uh, 4 p.m. window. All right. Raiders, if you don't win this fucking game, you better fire Josh McDaniels. All right. I was I was skeptical of this hire. I hate trying to remake Patriots blah 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 any anywhere. It just doesn't work without Bill. It, it sounded like Josh maybe a turn to corner since his last stint, but they like they're the new Falcons. They can't hold a fucking lead. And like okay, the defense that can be bad. I don't get. I don't care. Like there's no talent on defense. Like they literally just let Abram go. Like they picked their defense is trash, but that's fine. But the offense should be better than this. You got an offensive coach. You've got Devontae Adams. Like, you got Josh Jacobs. You've got a line that can not pass block well, but run block. They're one of the best run blocking lines in the league. So, in the preseason, I was like, if Josh McDaniels gets Amir Abdullah out there on a football field during a real-life NFL game, I'm going to lose my shit. And he's been doing that so much. Stop doing that shit. (sighs) But, anyway, they better win and cover, or I'm going to riot. Um... Total's 41. I don't know about that, though. The So, Perriman, Denzel Perriman for the Raiders is questionable here. If he sits, their their defense gets... He, he's, like, the lone good player left outside of Max Crosby, pretty much, and uh, and Gakwe. So, like, if Perriman's out, they're run, they've got nothing to stop the run. So, like, and if JT's back, like, he might have just a nutty day. And, like, he, he could honestly just carry them to a win. On the Raiders' side, Devontae Adams is way better than the secondary... The game script should benefit Josh Jacobs. And we've got a lot of injury stuff here with the Raiders. They sent Waller and Renford to the IR. So you've got Foster Moreau stepping, continuing to step in. He's been solid. And then you've got, uh, you know, Matt Collins has been the guy getting snaps. But uh, in the slot there, let me pull this up real quick. I believe we might see some Keelan Cole in place of Hunter Renfro. Because he wasn't getting a ton of snaps anyway. And honestly, it was not doing much and he was having a rough year so you know it happens you know it's okay but i, I think we'll see some keelan cole kind of mixed in let me pull up where he's been playing real quick but mac holland's gonna get more targets Moreau's gonna get more targets but yeah keelan cole's been the next guy up so i would say look for him to do a little more on the cult side so i saw this thing from michael fabiano about maybe matt ryan getting out there i don't i literally don't know if that's gonna happen if he if he is not still hurt, he needs to be playing. Like Sam Ellinger sucks, so like there's no like if they're tanking, that's fine. But 
I think the NFL might get a little pissed about it. So, and it, it's it's no one no one in the offense is playable while Sam Ellinger's in there aside from the running back, whoever it is. So, all right, yeah. What the, okay, this is not loading. PFF. I literally just talked about how I'm shelling out for your shit, and you do this to me, really. Okay, I'm gonna search. I'm just gonna search up Keelan Cole here and get it going. All right. I'm also a Keelan Cole apologist, by the way. He's been pretty solid. Okay, this is just fucking breaking on me. All right, PFF, suck my cock. Okay, next up, we've got Dallas at Green Bay. Um, oh, yeah, but yeah, Keelan Cole, I think, is a deep stream. So Dallas at Green Bay. We both have Dallas here. So Green Bay has had Dallas' number in recent years some, but an upset here uh, would be kind of surprising given, you know, how the teams are doing right now. That is Mozzie's note here, and uh, I kind of agree. Uh, Green Bay's only receiver life right now is Alan Lazard, and... Diggs can handle Alan Lazard just fine. Like, he is not the guy who, like, would beat Diggs. Like, usually, like, with Diggs, like, he's he's kind of risky. He's not been as, as risky this year, but you need guys with, like, speed or, like, good route moves to make him pay. Like, I'm not saying Lazard's bad, but he's, like, bigger, not as fast. Like, Diggs is not going to have any problems staying with him. So, the Packers are going to need to, like, they're really going to need to get... The running back is going. Otherwise, you're just screwed. So, um, oh yeah, looking at Keelan Cole, he's played a good amount of slot back in weeks three and four. So I imagine they'll put him there. But they'll mix everybody around. Like Devontae can play the slot too. But okay, jump back here. Dallas running backs. So I don't think Zeke plays. It's been very ominous. Jerry Jones has been been adamant he's gonna go. Mike McCarthy's been like, we'll see how Friday goes. Ed Warner just came out today and said it's game time decision, but they'll probably have the conservative decision on it. Listen, he still could play, but I am saying Tony Pollard is going to be the guy and probably ball out here. I don't know if... I don't think Green Bay's defense has turned a quarter all of a sudden. I think last week's inefficiency from Jamal Williams is more so just that game being gross, no Hawkinson, um, predictability of no Swift. So I, I'm i going for the Dallas run game. I think the script will favor them. I know they're on the road, but Pollard can catch, catch passes too. Like, yeah, I'm all about it. And the... I bet this is my favorite thing for DFS. For NBA taught me this, and it just benefited me like the other night when I like went on some late news. Was if Zeke is a game time decision, even if we like think there's like a good chance there's not, like even if we say it's like forty percent chance he plays, like he plays in the late window. So if you slot in Pollard and so okay, Pollard and Matt Collins cost the same as. Jonathan Taylor and Robbie Anderson. I know Robbie Anderson's a risky player here, but you f find your 2v2, find your swap, whatever, and then set yourself up to, you know, if they say Zeke's in, if you want to switch off Pollard, you can switch off Pollard, get to JT. Um, and because you'll have the, the, the pyramid news too, so you can know if JT's going to fucking dawn on the Raiders or not. So you'll have those options, and that's where you get the biggest advantage is that, that doesn't change. Well, okay, the pyramid thing does, but. Whether or not people play Pollard doesn't change how Pollard does, but it changes how much he does for you in your lineup. So if we get the Zeke news at, you know, 11 a.m., then, you know, Pollard could get to, you know, super popular spots. But if we don't get the Zeke news till, you know, the 2.30, 2.45, whatever, then Pollard might just be, you know, 5%, 10% rather than like 40%. So it's a huge benefit to go for that. And I'm going to do it. Um... I haven't decided yet if I'm going to play him, if, if Zeke's in or not, but uh, we'll get there when we need to. So for me, Dallas defense and Pollard are, are where I'm going here. Um, next up, we've got Cardinals at the Rams. I've got the Rams here. Mozzie has the Cardinals. Um, 
However, injury news is pretty much what it is. Uh, Kyler, so, okay, Kyler, pretty much, it sounds like, he'll, I think Kyler's going to play. He might not, but he's, I think they pretty much said, or maybe it was him, that, like, oh, he doesn't need to be 100% and be able to run to be effective. Like, he can stay in the pocket, be a pocket passer. But, like, if you, if you make Kyler Murray not run, he's not Kyler Murray. So... Now, okay, if Stafford sits and Kyler plays, I'm still I'm, I'm taking the Cardinals, like it's John fucking Wolford. But if both backups play, I'm taking the Cardinals because I think Colt McCoy is better enough than John Wolford. We saw Colt McCoy do okay in the stead of uh, Kyler Murray previously. So, yeah, that's it's so hard to break him down. However, like the big thing for me, though, is Rodney Hudson. He was already out, but now he's on IR. So missing your center... Huge blow. So even maybe even if it's Colt McCoy, I don't know. Just because missing a, missing your center against Aaron Donald is a really tough pull. So I might pick the Rams either way. But this game's disgusting. Like I don't I don't want anything from this game. Like I've considered James Conner earlier in the week, but with their center out, I'm not going there. It's yeah, I, I'm losing some faith in Robbie Anderson here. Like not not because of him, but because my setup was oh. The pressure matchup is good for the Cardinals here. They'll have time to throw. Get it to Robbie, but if we have a hobbled Kyler or Colt McCoy behind a backup center with Aaron Donald on the other side, like they might not have the time. So I th- I'll probably stick in Rams here. I think I'm going to go under. From It's, it's Cooper Cup or bust. I think even Walford can get the cup, but this might just be a full full avoid game for it. We need, we, we, eh, we need news, though. We need news no matter what. So Sunday night game. Chargers at San Fran. Got San Fran here. So the spread is seven and a half, which is a lot. And my and my first gut was, oh, Chargers are going to cover. But I'm not super sure because, like, they've got Eckler. They've got Herbert. But they don't have Williams or Keenan. So unless we're getting, you know, another really good Josh Palmer game, like, it's not, it's not like I saw anything from the Chargers last week to make me think, like, oh, they're going to be fine. So... As wild as it seems, like the yeah, who did they played the Falcons. Yeah, they barely. Oh yeah, that game. They barely beat the Falcons. So it might be seven, but San Fran could actually easily cover here. So I mean, their defense is healthy. They've got CMC. They've got Debo back. They've got Kittle. They've got Ayuk. I know they've got Jimmy G. So that's you know the downside. But Chargers defense has been really banged up and struggling. They've got not many people left on offense, and like. This is unfortunately not the main slate. Otherwise, they're just jamming McCaffrey. But like a 50 burgers, I'd play here with how bad the Chargers run D has been. And they've just been so bad against running backs. Like this is CFC territory. That's why I think they may run so much that they might not cover because they don't get enough points. To co- like this might stay like slow enough to not cover if they run so much. But they could also just be super efficient too. That's not like the greatest way to look at it. But they'll... I'm torn on this one though. The total is tough too because like I can see the Chargers just getting flacked here. Like San Fran off the bye, yeah. San Fran's off the bye too. So man, yeah, they might cover that. That's about right. May, like they could, they could win by fucking twenty. I don't know, but yeah, they, I think Vegas has this pretty right actually. Like after thinking about it more, so it's a tough one here. But I do, I will say the I think Josh Palmer is probably an option again though because the the weaker spot of the San Fran defense is the secondary. Well, like I said, they're getting healthier, but their secondary is not elite. 
So, and Jason Verrett is on IR again. That poor man is always hurt. So, but so their passing, their pass defense is hurting. But keep an eye on Arik Armstead. Like if he and Ebukam don't play, that's a big factor. This is Sunday night, so we have plenty of time to wait. Um, oh wait, scrolling up, Arik Armstead not gonna play. Um, Ebukam is doubtful. All right, I'm, yeah, I'm answering my own questions as we go here. Perfect. Um, that's that's a lot. Yeah. Okay. The Chargers will cover. I taught myself back around. The Chargers are going to cover. Um, they might just be they might just be a seven point instead of eight point, but I'll take them to cover. The Chargers will be able to do a little more. I'll probably take the over then. Yeah. If, if it's the defense pushing me, so over on this one. I mean, that's enough about this game. Lastly, we have the Monday night showdown of Washington at Philly. If this were not a divisional game and it were a team equally calibered to Washington, I would say Philly would cover 11. But it's a bullshit NFC East game in division. So I'm going to say Washington finds a way to cover the 11-point spread. I co- this is this is more... This is, okay, Mozzie's not here physically, but he's here spiritually and he's saying that Washington's going to cover it. Uh, this is like a Mozzie call of like this just... Is just what's probably some bullshit that could happen, and I, that's kind of where I'm at with it. He didn't fill it out on this one, so I assume he's probably having the same dilemma I am. Of logically, they should destroy, but Washington's been scrappy, and it's a divisional game, and we just saw, you know, Houston. I mean, they didn't win. I think they covered, but they held they held their own for a while with Philly. So, you know, that was good to see. So, all right, Washington. How, how has Washington been? Uh, these past few weeks. Let me look at their schedule. They all so they held it with the Vikings. They beat the Colts. They beat the Packers. Yeah. Heineke, man. What a guy. Yeah. Beat the Bears. Beat the Packers. Beat the Colts. Lost by three to the Vikings at the end. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. They'll cover. I think they'll cover. 43 and a half. That's a tough one. I've been excited to get this. This is a tough one to pick on that front. Philly's going to win, though, we believe. The Philly pass game should be fine here. They just outclass the Washington secondary. Um, I do like Antonio Gibson here. The One of the issues that you see here, like, so Philly secondary is really good. Um, they've been a run funnel. I don't know how much of that is the secondary is good and how much of it is the run defense struggling, but with no JD McKissick, they're going to work Gibson in some on the ground and he'll be the, probably the easiest pass option to get to because of the corner is just blanketing receivers. So... Yeah, like Dawson's gonna be back. He's good. Terry McLaurin's good, but the the path of least resistance is gonna be the running backs. So whether it's Brian Robinson actually having a good day or it's Gibson getting involved, it's tougher to call. But I think Gibson offers a lot of, a lot of upside just because of his talent and his speed. So I'm calling Gibson a stream here, and this is gonna be a showdown. So I'll probably be using Gibson in the showdown. Um, that being said, <laughs> the, the, the Philly defense is of course in play. They're really good. This is Washington. Yeah. So well. I think that wraps it up. I'm going to make sure I didn't forget anything important that I wanted to share from my article. But in the meantime, you can find us. I mean, if you found us here, you know how to listen to us on podcast. But you can also find us online at mozzieandthemuscle.com. We're on Twitter at mozzieandmuscle. And I keep saying we'll, we'll post TikTok videos eventually, but we may not ever get there. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at some defenses again, by the way. Um, the Houston defense, I think you could get to at 2.6 just because it's Daniel Jones um, and they have a talented secondary obviously Saquon is the guy and you don't want to pair that but I think it's an option um, to go to 
And then the Denver defense, actually. Now, I was more so on them if Malik Willis was in instead of Tannehill, but this Denver defense is really good, and they're 3K, and without the Minnesota option, everything's going to spread out, and you might need some... Uh, the defense could be your point of variation now. So I don't, I do not like it. It's gross, but I don't abhorrently hate it. And with that, <laughs> I'm just going to say some bullshit to you off now. Um, this would be something again, where if I played a bunch of, you know, Millie stuff, if they're 4%, I'd get 8% or maybe even seven. But in like the Texans, I think they're in play single entry because they're so cheap and it's the giants. Like they're not going to get you negative. But if they're, you know, 3%, I'd get 6%, something like that. There's enough there for me um, to consider it. So, but I think I think right now that my favorite is still the Steelers at 2.8 now at this point. Um, yeah. It's Andy Dalton in a banged-up line against TJ Watt and the rest of that front. So, that's where I'm leaning there. So, don't, don't, don't get this twisted, but I just want to throw those out there so I didn't uh, uh, forget to share them. Because I don't have the time to browse around on Mozzie Talks at all. So thank you for tuning in, and we will hopefully both uh, be back next week on Friday to break down that week. Thanks for tuning in.